0: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem.
1: Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hello, America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call.
3: Welcome to Grid Talk. My name is Ruby Price, and today we're here to preview the first modern Las Vegas Grand Prix. Joining me today, we have Grid Talk co host Wayne Medford. Hello. And from Paddock Pals, Warren Shaw. Hello. Before we get into the episode, we must thank our sponsor for this episode, Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wages, including live betting and your favourite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code Believe—that's that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. And also be sure to follow us on our social channels at GridTalkUK to stay up to date with the show. Before we start talking about the Grand Prix taking place in the USA, let's talk about the last Grand Prix that took place in the USA. Owain, the big news this week was that Haas had their right of appeal rejected by the stewards. The team had presented video evidence that showed four cars breaching track limits who received no penalties during the US Grand Prix. I think this comes back to one of the biggest sort of talking points of recent F1 history, that track limits are not really the issue that's being dealt with properly. Yes, we've seen said that the white lines are the limit, but when the stewards change the lines mid-weekend or decide not to police certain corners, what can F1 do to stop this
4: continuing being the issue that it is? I think it comes down to, if you i haven't read the decision, I've read analysis of the decision, but it seems that basically what's happened is, to, to put into just in context what the right of review is, if you don't know, basically two weeks from the alleged infraction you have, or two weeks from the event that the infraction took place in, sorry, that's 14 days, you have the basically the ability to put the right of review in to whatever infraction you think may have occurred. And Haas is basically reiterating its initial point from the... From the Austin, from the Grand Prix at kota that it believes that they weren't, there were a number of drivers who weren't penalised when they should have been, notably Alex Albon, I believe, who was penalised but not penalised enough. Has in this case, their case, as far as I can tell, seems to be based on the evidence that they looked at, where they were looking at sort of people, people going off the circuit at Turn Six, cutting through the apex there. But the decision of the stewards at the time was that. Yes, there was evidence of it, but they didn't have CCTV footage available specifically that would that would be to remove all doubt as, as to whether these drivers were into or out of track limits. So they'd made the decision at the time not to penalise them for those particular offences. Uh, Hass has obviously brought forward their case, and and the stewards have basically come down with two certain things, which is a four and a half page document to say in no, certain ter- no uncertain terms that Hass's petition didn't include evidence that was... Is a, the specific phrase is to reach the threshold of significant new and relevant information not available at the time of the decision so clearly the stewards the, sorry the court of appeal have looked at this and gone no you had all this evidence um, but it just it wasn't significant enough at the time the, i think the interesting point about it is that the stewards have also made note of uh, of this and even they admit in their in this decision in this document that it's it's basically is a massive issue uh, and it's an issue that keeps coming up and to the point where they're just like their recommendation to formula one and probably the FIA as a whole is we need to find a solution for this because this can't keep happening i think that's the biggest takeaway but ultimately Haas's case was a non-starter because there was nothing new to it it was basically a, a more staunch defense of their position yeah
3: absolutely certainly something i think that needs to be addressed going forward in the sense that all of this evidence already existed but because it wasn't new it therefore was pushed to the side but let's now start talking about what's going to happen this weekend and starting with Haas, then the american outfit for their third and final home grand prix of the season returned to the us propping up the championship table with a four point gap to closest rivals alfa romeo their lack of development looks like it will have cost them a large sum of prize. money. is there anything Magnuson or Hulkenberg can do in Vegas to bring home a better payout other than heading to a
5: casino? I don't know if they should play the F1 slot machines that they have there. No, I don't really think so. They brought some big upgrades to Austin that really proved that they don't, that they didn't work at least race face five. They've been halfway decent qualifying this year. They, they might... They have an outside chance to sneak into Q3, at least one of the drivers who knows one week it's Holkenberg, one week it's and You never really know which one of the drivers can do it, but one of the cars has a shot into that. But other than that, in the race, when they get in there, they just drop like a rock. They got nothing going on, and I don't really know what they – like, how can this keep happening to them? I'm not trying to be like, how can this happen to them? But this is the same so- song and dance that we've seen from us the last three years. They bring a pretty developed car early on, and then they just get they just get beat by everybody throughout the rest of the season when they don't develop or what they develop doesn't work. And they're sitting at the bottom now because Alpha AlphaTauri has improved with Ricardo. They've scored more points. I don't think they saw that coming with them. So now they're there, and they're waiting to go for next year, I guess. It's just the same old hot story of basically being irrelevant when it comes to it. And like you said, American team. I'm going to be honest. They don't even feel like an American team. And Austin at the race... They're the least American team there. I would even say people would were more supportive of Logan Sargent and obviously the other big teams, but there's really not a lot of Haas American um, American team spirit, which is a little disappointing and sad. But they don't do a lot to to play into the American other than the special livery. Like they, they don't really play into anything like that. If they had an American driver, I'd say it'd be a more American thing, but they don't.
3: Yeah, very good point there about not really playing the US market, despite being F1's American team, that, okay, cool, do something about that, actually present yourselves that way, tap into the market that F1 seems to be doing better at doing than the team that are based in that country. But lots of speculation regarding the Audi investment for the Alfa Romeo Salva team, who have restated their intentions of coming into the sport strong. But right now, when things look troubled for the team. A double retirement in Brazil left them pointless, but crucially still ahead of Haas. Is there any hope for the Alphas in Vegas?
4: I'm just trying to get an idea of the form for them. I, this, I, we're going to talk about it a lot, I imagine, but the, the weather conditions and the track, is the specific conditions that we're going to have and the track layout, this is completely unique in my opinion. And I just, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I really see them doing particularly well. They did okay in Singapore and things like that. That's got that's nice and twisty, but anywhere that where there's long straights, they're not too well. They've got the Ferrari power unit, uh, and I think it's going to be business as usual. To be honest with you, I think they might luck out with some points, but I, I, I don't know. I don't see a guaranteed route forward for them to put in a good performance. Obviously, Bottas is. Yeah, actually, I say that. Bosses are particularly good at, um, at somewhere else, Sochi as Autodrome, um, which is remarkably like this place. In my again, in my opinion, just looking at how it seems to pl- far feel when you drive around it, he's done fairly well there. Joe, on the other hand, I, I've got no confidence in either of them. I, I don't see them. I, I, I can't. They're, they're such a non-starter. It, 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 they're unreliable at best and have a terrible reliability at worst. So it's just. It's one of those things I think they're stuck at the bottom of the grid and it's one of those things where you sit there and you go how how can they be this bad? They're being saved uh, in their blushes by Haas but no I don't see them getting anything out of this weekend.
3: Yeah and it's not been the case of last season where they showed up with the lightest car on the grid and were able to challenge for P4 and P there was a point where we were thinking is Bottas going to get a podium at one point at the start of last season but now that's just not being the case for 2023's Alfa Romeo but the other alpha the most developed team in 2023 allegedly alfa tauri they're looking pretty in P8 with 21 points after a late season resurgence for the two-time race winners ricardo was unlucky to be hit by a bouncing tire in brazil and did spend the whole race a lap down but the team's surprising figurehead Yuki Tsunoda has at least impressed me in recent weeks. If they keep it up in Vegas this weekend, can the Red Bull Junior outfit potentially think about challenging Williams, who are only seven points ahead? Warren,
5: I think they have a chance. Yuki scored three points or points in three races in a row, which for him is or anybody in that car is really impressive, and. Williams has one driver that basically you're hoping to score the points there. Sargent can, who knows, get lucky in some points, but he has been better. But yeah, the Alpha Tari has definitely been a big surprise. And they said a lot of it is Ricardo. He's helped them with development and setup since he's been in there as much as maybe some people were questioning the move of why he would go there. But this is why they did. They tried to drag him out of the cellar and he's drugged them out of the cellar. And he's putting good performances coming off the wrist. He did the. I, I was, Ricardo needs a lot of credit too for not jumping back into the car and pulling a Lance stroll after he breaks his wrist, wanting to drive right in there immediately. He let it heal and do that. So he was really confident and can do that. So I think a lot of credit for Ricardo, especially. When he wasn't confirmed for the seat next year of, hey, I need to prove myself. And then you see Lawson, what he was doing, you're like, oh my God, he's just got to be thinking, what is this? I'm finally back in a seat and then breaks the wrist and Lawson's doing great when he had no time in the car, So I think he deserves a lot of credit and they've gotten better. And I think we maybe have to change our expectations for the Alpha AlphaTauri a little bit since it's not the car that it was earlier in the season. So yeah, they could probably get an outside shot at getting Williams, but I also think this track might suit. Williams well in Vegas.
3: Yeah, absolutely. A a team that have very much come from the clutches of the back to be potential points challengers on their day. But, Owain, looking at Williams then, who come into the Las Vegas Grand Prix wanting to bounce back from a Brazilian Grand Prix that lasted all of a few hundred metres for their lead driver, Alex Albon, Sargent gets his third home country Grand Prix of the season. And if any circuit is suited to Williams's low downforce package, surely it's the streets of Sin City.
4: Yeah, I'm just looking at it, and I'm just thinking they the drivers are on form. They're able, as you say, it was an unfortunate DNF that that took out Albon, but other than that, they've been they lucked into points for both drivers a couple of races ago with the double with the double DS yeah DSQ for Hamilton and then and then Leclerc. But they're putting in decent performances, and as you say. I get the feeling this track is going to f- really suit them. We've obviously got the a, a very long straight in the strip, the, the slower corners. There's not a lot of high-speed corners. And it just looks like they're in form. It just looks like they've got confidence. Logan Sargent, say what you want about maybe there being no home or Field Advantage with. But it's got to help, surely, when you just get to... You're back in a place where ev- everything's more familiar to you. I get the that f- he, he just finished out of the points, and really not by much last time out this is it's it's one of those things where williams seems to be peaking at the right time this is i don't think this is just good for this race i think this is good probably for the end of the season into next season with the the way that they're on the ascendancy time will tell but i just think it's a good race here could really set them up to to finish off this season really strongly and bring williams back to not winning ways but at least challenging for Mid type, I'm sorry, midpoints finishes. I really see them getting in more than just one or three, three or four points here.
3: Yeah, they're certainly one of the teams that you could see potentially challenging for P five if the play their cards right and strategy works out. And we, the expectation of the fast Williams is not completely misplaced. But Warren, a team who also looked very good in Brazil. The Alpines, who are in no man's land in the Constructors, but a P7 for Gasly. Can the
5: French outfit capitalize on their top speed this weekend? Maybe they can, but I think you said it perfectly. They are no man's land, and I think they've been no man's land for the last couple of years in F1. They really just are, put them in fifth place, and yep, they're going to get a podium. They might win if their luck goes by, if their luck goes right. But they're just, they're to the no man's land. So yeah, who knows? They got two solid drivers there. But the thing about Alpine, I what do you really say about them? They still don't have a temporary, they still have a temporary what? Team principal, right? After Otmar was out, they never named a new guy for, I don't think they have, did they? I, or I don't know. I'm just, I think they're just basically in no man's land. I know this is a, a terrible way to describe them going in for me, but to me, they just, they do nothing for me. And they just are uh, in no man's land, like you said. And until they the El Plon went away when Fernando left, Bruno Famine is their guy. But I I think he's a temporary guy. Like I said, they've never named a new guy. And they're I think they're just toiling around waiting for the end of the season. Yeah, they'll, they'll be in there fighting for points at the end. Maybe they get a, a mid-points finish with their guys. I think they should be better than what they are with their drivers. I'm going to be honest. I think they're a disappointing team. They should be better with the two drivers that they have. And until they figure out something, then this is what they're going to be.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And like you say, as a works team, they're punching below their weight. They shouldn't be a hundred points off P five. They should be challenging for P to say how close P five to P three is. Yeah. P three is
0: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So no, that's a good thing. Uh, That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
2: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
3: That's where Alpine should be. They should be in this mix as a works team, but it's not exactly the greatest advert for taking on a Renault power engine, is it? But from the five-star odds of Vegas to five-star reviews, if you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you could take five to leave us a five-star rating on Spotify or a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're one of the 72% of people who aren't yet subscribed to the channel, please consider helping us out with a like and a subscribe. And I'm going to come back to you, Warren. The 2023 Las Vegas Grand Prix, there's no doubt it will be a visual spectacle, But the circuit looks more like a tour guide of the landmarks across Vegas, and with expected race temperatures of four degrees, can we expect the racing to match the five-star show that F1 have invested in? What's your thoughts before we've even had a car on track?
5: Yeah, so I don't think the racing is going to be great. I do think maybe the cold temperatures brings in an interesting dynamic of not knowing how the tires are going to react, and we get a lot of slipping and sliding and stuff like that, so... That is interesting, and I'm always curious. Is why I know why they started the race so late, and they start qualifying at midnight. It's a lot to do with the time difference indicator to the European fans, which I'm fine with. But also, the whole thing of they they made this race of hey, this is a growth. This is part of the growth of F1 in America. The Eastern Time Zone. The race starts it at uh, 1 a.m qualifying is at three in the morning i'm going to tell you what the casual fan the casual sports fan is not staying up for that they'll watch the replays in the morning or something like that that's it's not catering to the u.s so if people think that i don't think it's just based on the time frame and if they want to race at night it's pitch black here at 6 p.m anyway so they can erase it at seven o'clock when it's a little warmer eight o'clock they still want to do that like you said the visual spectacle going down the strip who knows? Maybe they'll turn on the phones at Bellagio since they've been turned off for a while, since they built grandstands there. It will look awesome. I'm not saying that. But from the racing point and the fan racing, it's probably going to be pretty bad. But I think the thing is F1 doesn't care about the racing fan. And this is for the celebs and the spectacles. So if they punt this race for, the, for entertainment purposes, I think they're totally fine with it because they know... The spectacle is going to outweigh it. Now, if you're going to the race and if you live in Las Vegas, you absolutely hate it because I've had people go, friends go to Vegas in the last couple of months. They said it is horrible to go around the strip. Just like they will not go back anytime the race is there close to it because it is so hard to get around. They've blocked all the landmarks. Like you said, the fountains, they've had grants there, the Venetian gondolas, they've drained the water there to build. A grandstand for people. They're like things the tourists want to see. And if you're a tourist that didn't know this was going on, that's a shame on you because you're missing a lot. And I feel bad for you. But yeah, this is not about, this is not about the racing. This is not about the F1 fan. It's about the spectacle of F1. And they made a pretty significant investment in it, building that paddock, building the pit lane, I think $200 million with some publicly funded money in it. So they're committed to it with that. And the building looks pretty impressive. So they are committed to this race, but I think it's, it's going to be a sting. Like, just imagine if this with a championship deciding race potentially. And we had the track that I know Tom Downey has said is the upside down pig. A lot of people have said it like, what are the unknowns going into this? This is at the end of the season. I, I guess you could say it's a good thing that the championship isn't in the balance still because there's only the race winners to play for. But if there is one that could be, it would have been a totally different story, I think. Yeah, just to spring off what you said, Warren. It
4: seems I I have to say, for everything I've seen in the build-up, obviously with social media it means that we get the actual opinions of of real people who live in and around Las Vegas and they and I have not heard one single positive about it. The, people are the, the only thing is I've seen construction companies who are happy that there's going to be like a really good new road, new set of roads that have been repaved all around where the circuit goes, but for the rest of it, as you've said it, it it's ruining Landmarks. They've drained the Venetian. You can't see the fountains at the Bellagio. Ticket prices apparently are falling through the floor. All the bridges where you could, yeah, all the, all the bridges are being now uh, not so much blocked off, but made so that you can't see the race from it. It seems like a decision designed to make money. And I think for our, it's not Ferrari, sorry, Formula One, of Formula One are on the hook, by the way, for over half a billion dollars. That is the construction cost for this. Uh, some of it comes from public money, I think 80 to Forty to eighty million, I think I read, but it it just seems like a decision that's being made between the city of Las Vegas or the whoever organises that. Unfortunately, I don't know how the how the local governance works regarding that and Formula One. And it looks like they this is going to probably be all right for what is the entertainment capital of the world. But I think I'm getting a better experience back home, eight thousand miles away, than people who are actually gonna, who are going to go and see the race. I I really do feel for the people who who live in Las Vegas. Because this is months to put up, it's months to take down. And in fairness, it is broad brand new to them. This is It won't be as, as bad as it is now going forward. But I, I, it's one of those things where I don't think it, this is maybe F1's best show, or best foot, sorry, best side on show to people. I think it's going to erode quite a lot of the goodwill, particularly with the people who go to and live in Las Vegas. Who will have to
3: deal with it going forwards, as you say, next year, and the year after that, provided that the money does come in. But yeah, some very good points there from both of you regarding a contentious Las Vegas Grand Prix. There are some people very much for it. They are generally in and around the F1 bubble. And the people who aren't really for it are the people who are the people that should be being targeted to go to this event. The same reason as to why we have races across the globe so that people don't have to travel across the globe to go to an F1 race. They can just go to the one that happens in their country. But Owain, a team that many had written off then after some disastrous race weekends, Aston Martin put themselves back in the picture in Sao Paulo with Alonso on the podium and arguably Stroll's best race of the season, They're safe from Alpine behind, as we mentioned earlier, but after falling behind McLaren, Ferrari, and Mercedes in the constructors, can their Brazilian form continue and maybe mount enough of a charge to take back P4?
4: I don't know. I think I'm I'm not sure they know. It's one of those things where this is a car that we've been... This is a car and a team that we've been saying, look how bad they've been. Look how poor they've been. I think they brought an upgrade to Brazil. But it seems a bit too little too late. They're 21 points off McLaren, a resurgent, powerful McLaren who's going around and just, they seem in a groove. And it, I don't know, it it, it came as a bit of a shock really when we saw how well they were, the Aston Martins were doing, particularly um, how they'd done in the race before where they'd had a double DNF. I'm glad they've cut that out. And it's interesting to see, you know what, it's interesting to see that it's it's unpredictable enough now that teams can come back after spending... Let's be honest. A good part of eight races are well off the pace. Um, I, you know, I want to see them be competitive. I think that's good for the sport, and I, and I'd like to see them in a fight fight with McLaren. But I'm yet to be convinced that this is a consistent return to them figuring out their car and going forward for the last two races of the season. I don't think I don't see a particularly good result coming out of this race for them. That's a cue
3: one where they are both fighting to get out of the bottoms five six seven however many cars there are in q1 any these days but warren surely one of the most improved teams then of 2023 McLaren they've gone from struggling to escape q1 to being one of the few cars to put pressure on max verstappen they're unlikely to catch ferrari in p3 but their primary focus will be staying ahead of the Aston Martins that we just mentioned. What can Oscar Piastri and Lando Norris do in the States this weekend?
5: I think Lando will once again fight for his podium spot that he's been pretty much a, a lock to contend for since since basically the summer break has ended. And Piastri, like he was unlucky when he caught some damage last week in Brazil. And he's been more, he's been very impressive this year. I'm not He's been more of what you would expect as a rookie, I think, in the car. A little more up and down lately. But Lando's been as consistent as you can be. And yeah, I think they're going to be up for another podium fight. And I don't think their season. I know they said at the beginning of the season, it's going to be four races until we get we, until we figure it out and get the upgrades in. And we know we're going to struggle. But usually that, sometimes teams are blowing just hot air. They really backed it up and they did turn it around. And it has been so impressive. And like you said, they are one of the only teams that can consistently fight Max. And it's been impressive to watch. And it's been one of the bright spots, I'd say, of the season that has been a little bit on the boring side when it comes to drama. But the McLaren resurgence, and it gives a lot of hope for next season of they just open up their new wind tunnel and they get the time in that. How much more they, they can develop next year and can they be a true contender? Probably a year away, in the constructors, but a race-winning car, they can totally probably do that next year, which is it's been one of the uh, great joys of the season, I'd say.
3: Yeah, like you say, there's a lot of focus on next year for McLaren as well. I think if they do manage to get a win in the next two races, that'll be amazing. But at the same time, so it's the future for them. It's getting back to where they once were, and. A- like, I think it came out this week they'd been working on the 2024 car since about July this year, which that for a team who was so far back in July, that's ambitious. That's accepting almost what's going to happen this season. But to still have the momentum that they've had this season with so much focus on 2024, it's a very incredible story for McLaren this season with potentially rookie of the season, rookie of the year. I would say, uh, Oscar Piastri. But conversely, for I mean, it was over before it began for F1's unluckiest driver last time out. is P6, though, kept Ferrari's charge to catch Mercedes in P2 possible. They've been strongest on Saturdays, with Leclerc on pole for two of the last three races. But is there anything they can do on a Sunday where tyre temperatures are obviously going to be vital? And can Signs pose a threat to Alonso and Norris, who are just ahead in the Drivers' Championship?
4: It seems Ferrari have a one-lap car. That seems, and that's that with all the Ferrari teams in some ways, they have a one-lap car that's fa- fairly good in qualifying, but over over a whole race, they seem to be they seem to struggle a bit. Obviously, they did very well in Singapore, and characteristically so. I know that's going to be getting on for two months by the time we get to the great, Grand Prix, and there's been a number of races in between, but that's, yeah, I think it's, a, it's an important point to note. Again, you have to look at track characteristics, where they were fairly good in Mexico as well, which is relatively similar. I think in some ways this has actually helped them quite a lot going to Vegas because it's not particularly high. It will be cold, which means you have lower em- air temperatures, more downforce, which means more drag. But you can also, I think that there'll be, they'll have no problem cooling the car. No one's going to have any problems cooling the car whatsoever just because of the air temperatures. You can blank off everything you want. I see them using that to their advantage in some ways. I, think, I, don't, I don't think the issues are necessarily heat-related that we saw everywhere else, but Ferrari does seem to be one of the more unreliable cars so, I think it's one of those things where I, I foresee a fairly good performance, but I think they're going to luck into it if they do, if they do get one. I, I think that one of the things is Ferrari's biggest enemy on occasions is itself operationally. They just don't seem quite there. And the confidence in the team, the form of the team doesn't seem there, which means the drivers have to over deliver. And I think that leads them into mistakes. Obviously, they didn't fall foul of that uh, last time out, but you, you, you have seen that happen over the course of the season, really.
3: Yeah, and the strategy calls, it. the internet speaks for itself when it comes to Ferrari's strategy. But a team who generally have been pretty good with the strategy, Mercedes. Warren, Hamilton needs to outscore Perez by seven points, I believe, to retain a statistical chance for P2 in the Drivers' Championship. But a disastrous weekend for Mercedes in Sao Paulo, due to the low top speed that the car had with it set up, just meant they were going nowhere with a full set of practice sessions though because they did blame the sprint can they get the car set up right but surely they're not going to be in the same lowly position they were in Brazil in Vegas
5: yeah I would agree that you would have to think over three practice sessions that they could get it. I do think it's funny when they blame the sprint weekends because that was the sixth sprint weekend we've had and they. I know you need more than one practice session to figure out what the car is but Aston Martin figured it out, other teams did did it figure it out so I always think it's funny when other teams blame the setup of the weekend that it's not even some new concept that we've been running for the whole season but that's beside the point um, Mercedes but I think everybody was surprised at how poor they were in Brazil with that's been a track that they've had great success on Russell won there Hamilton we all know what he did in 2021 He just carved through the field there that was impressive so for them to do that at one of their tracks where they have great success I think is quite surprising and this weekend I, you would hope that they could figure it out. Haven't they been one of the teams that struggles in like cold weather? I remember, I think a couple of years ago, they were struggling in cold weather a decent amount. So with the temperatures there, they might, they've always had trouble firing up the tires to get up to temperature. It takes them a while to do that. So this probably, this is not the race for them just based on that characteristic of that, if that part of the car has changed, but the setup wise, you got to think they're going to do it. And Lewis I, I really don't know what to think about the whole race with him and Cheka going for second. You would think that Lewis should, just based on his talent alone, should be able to drag himself maybe to have a shot going into Abu Dhabi, but then you think about the car and the weekend they just had. Recency bias comes in, and Perez did have a pretty strong weekend. I know the whole battle with Alonso, you would have thought he could have got by earlier, but Alonso then just, his racecraft was great, but I, I don't know. I think he's going to come up short, but Lewis, just in general, him being this close to Perez, I think is pretty impressive for Hamilton and and the driver that we know he is. I don't, you could say it's an in indictment on Perez, but I think it's more about how good Lewis is as a driver. I think they'll be po- fighting for some good points, I think, this week.
3: Yeah, fighting for some good points. I don't think, as you mentioned, the tire temperature warm-up issues that they have had as a bit of a problem with their car. I think it's going to be a tough qualifying session for them at the very least. But we've seen this season, apart from Brazil and a few other races, their race pace has genuinely been pretty good. But a team whose speed makes speculating about their performance a bit of a non-event, the Red Bull RB19 is going to flourish, I believe, in Las Vegas. But all eyes are going to be on Sergio Perez, who, as we've just mentioned, had his best race in recent weeks out in Brazil last time out a good result in vegas and the odds of him staying p2 and in the red bull car for 2024 will increase dramatically the question Elaine, is can he pull it off
4: king of the streets i don't know yeah i, I think it's difficult for perez i i, I, I you know what i'm going to go with no because i don't think he can i don't think he can consistently get out of out of harm's way honestly he and he always ends up in the melee zone of between fourth and eighth, and that's never a <laughs> that's never a place you want to be. And I worry about the Red Bull. I'll be honest with you. I don't. We thought it was going to be dominant. Come obviously, the only to, the only example we've got of them having a terrible by their standards at this point terrible weekend is Singapore. And there's not too many. There's it's not like this circuit is lacking in similarities to it. Obviously, it's got some big straights, but the rest of it is. Very similar in that it's that they know medium speed corners, some ninety degree corners. You're not getting up that much. Just you're not getting too high in speed. Obviously, the straight line speed of the Red Bull is mighty, and it's one of those things. It's been one of their strengths, but I'm not sure that's going to make up enough lap time for them if they have to compromise that to to understand what they went where they went wrong in Singapore and fix that going into this weekend. So I, I do worry a little bit. I think that I think there's a question mark over their form and and i don't and whenever there's a question mark over their form I, I always feel like max is good enough that he can get around that he's obviously he's got the massive confidence whereas reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's
0: a good thing uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem uh, reese's you
1: did it you stumped this charming devil
4: I I'm not sure Perez does and we've seen him time and time again de- get desperate and cause issues for himself. It's one of those things where I'm going to I'm going to have to go with no because I haven't been meaningfully convinced by Perez that he can pull something out of the bag. And yet surprisingly
3: I actually found myself cheering him on for Brazil but I think that was just more for the sake of I didn't want Alonso to get the podium. But speaking of podiums, let's predict some podiums. Warren, let's start with you. Who's who's taking a top spot and who's filling in P two and P three
5: on the Las Vegas podium? I think that Max is going to win. He's, he's just so unlocked up with the car. I'm going to say uh, Lando is going to get second, coming off his Netflix Cup win on Tuesday. I'm going to I'm going to announce a little golf thing that they're doing, which I think should be uh interesting to watch. And then I'm going to say I know this is. He's the unluckiest man. Maybe it's the slots up. It's a couple jackpots out there. It's a couple grand grand jack. I'm gonna say Charles figures it out and gets third place on the podium. I don't know why I'm saying it. Probably because I said it the last three weeks he's due for a podium, so I'm just gonna keep riding that. Interesting. Owain, are you going for the same? Are you going for a
3: full house of Red Bulls, a full house of Ferraris? What's your podium prediction for Vegas?
4: Uh, I'm going to go with pocket Ferraris. You know what? I'm going to go with Sainz to win, and then Leclerc in second place. I I feel for Leclerc, I really do. And he's the unluckiest man. So actually, you know what? I'm going to switch it around. I don't don't know if I can do this in the rules of grid talk, but I'm doing it anyway. Um, So we're going to go with Leclerc P1, and then Sainz P2. And then I don't see Max falling that far back. So I'm going to go with Verstappen uh, for P3. Keeping it within the
3: odds of possibility. Not as bold as the bold predictions we're about to put forward Though, Warren, what's your bold prediction for the Vegas Grand Prix?
5: I was going to do something about we're going to get a race where three cars won't go into the first turn together and there's going to be a big crash because we've had that recently. But I'm going to say that we're going to get Williams double points. I think we had it last time at Coda. The last U.S. race. And I'm going to say their car, they're going to figure out the setup that fits them. And I'm going to say we're going to get double Williams points. Because Sargent, he has not been terrible the last two races. He's been fighting around 11th or 12th, even before the he got the benefit of the disqualification of Hamilton and McClure. So I'm going to say a double Williams points finish on merit this time, not on the disqualifications. Double Williams points finish on merit.
3: During the race, as the race as the flag falls, oh, Wayne, your bold prediction,
4: please. Oh no, I feel like I'm gonna go. I feel like I've gone too bold because I was gonna go with, I was gonna go with Williams to get a podium, one of their drivers to get a podium.
3: You're <laughs> put right, you putting all your chips on that bet.
5: <laughs> yeah, just every single one. Well, I, I, I'm sorry, I don't have, I don't have any more puns if you do that you need to fly to Vegas and then play the play whatever your favorite table game is and and, and see if that luck continues.
4: So if I yeah if I if I get that then I guess I just need to play the lottery. <laughs> exactly. The nationwide
3: sponsored lottery. Um but yeah anyway uh, that's some predictions. Now it's time for some promotions. Warren, you're from the Panic Pals. Give us a little pitch. Where can people find it?
5: Yeah, you can find it at Spotify, Apple Podcast, wherever you get your podcast at, and on Instagram, TikTok, all the socials at the Paddock Pals Podcast. I think we're going to have someone from the Las Vegas registrar, the paper, come on after the race. We were thinking about maybe before the race, but I thought, hey, let's have it after. So we're going to try and get someone where we've been in talks there. So we're going to have someone from the paper, boots on the ground, as you say, to get his whole thoughts on it. And probably you can figure out what he's going to say, but uh, that's going to come up after the Vegas race sometime in the week but yeah we'll do a, a Vegas preview for ourselves as well who knows maybe we'll be there we've entered all the contests that they've had so maybe we are one of the lucky winners of a guest of one company to be there but that's where you can find that's where you can find us at ironically as the Mercedes fan I always seem to
3: enter the Dutch Grand Prix competitions that show up in my inbox but Wayne anything you want to plug for this session
4: Yeah, it's a little bit early, but I'm going to get in early for it. Just before, we're only two weeks out now from the... No, it's it's three weeks. No, it's two weeks. Two weeks out from the Avizavi Grand Prix, which is the return of Formula 2. And you can hear all about that on Formula Talk, co-hosted by Sophia Richmond and Tom Downey. You can get that wherever you get Grid Talk. He's not even promoting himself. He's promoting
3: the rest of the show. When, When would I ever promote myself? I don't know. Don't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> Sometime again, if you want to hear more from me, I am available on the socials at Rube's or Rube one I am now on Blue Sky at Rube's dot whatever the extension is. But Grid Talk is available on YouTube, where most episodes are recorded live. This one being a preview, it is not. But as well as Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, and Pocketcasts, just search Formula on Grid Talk for our huge back catalogue of shows. With previews and reactions to qualifying and the race results, of course we'll be here for the Las Vegas Grand Prix on the mornings of UK time at the very least. Please consider supporting the channel on Patreon so you can get mics and better recording equipment. Also, make sure you subscribe to so the first to know when each new episode is released. We'll be back soon with plenty more F1 content. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening to the Grid Talk podcast presented by Bet Online, and goodbye.
0: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You
1: stumped this charming devil. Hello, America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call.